Hello there, you're listening to One Person's Trash is Our Treasure. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm your other host, Jen. We're a podcast where we talk about underrepresented and underappreciated media. Like video games. Yeah. Or things about video games. Mm-hmm. Today we're talking about why we like to watch things about people playing video games. Yeah. Jen and I both grew up watching our big brothers play video games. Mm-hmm. So, and we turned into hardcore gamers ourselves. Hardcore. Yeah, you noobs don't even know. <laughs> I love The Sims. The reason we wanted to talk about this is because I'm a big fan of Ready Player One, the novel. Mm-hmm. The movie's coming out soon. I have my tickets to go see it on opening night. Do you really? Yeah. You nerd. <laughs> um, oh, you did ask me if I wanted to go with you. <laughs> yeah. And you said, not really, slanty face. <laughs> called out (laughs) (laughs) i just think it's kind of interesting how we're starting to see some media about video games and video game culture and gaming in general you know Mm -hmm. in a previous episode we talked about critical role which is a web series in which just a group of people play dungeons and dragons you know Mm -hmm. and We kind of wanted to just talk about why it's interesting to consume different types of media wherein the people in them are playing games. Yeah, or even if they're in the world of a game or whatever, Mm, you know, why that's interesting, even though we're not active participants. Mm -hmm. So... This is actually going to be our last episode before we go on a temporary hiatus. Yes. We will be on hiatus for two months, and we will be back on May 21st. Yes. Think of it as the end of our first season being over. Okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But until then, we are still going to try to be active on our Twitter, Mm -hmm. which is at Optiot, O-P-T-I-O-T. And we're also on Instagram at OptiotPod. You can also find us at our website, one person's trash is our treasure.com. Yeah. Listen to us talk about video yeah. games. So, I hope you enjoy the episode. So we've talked about on the podcast before how I am a fan of Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned it uh, in our Valentine's Day episode where we talked about canon pairings that we like from non-romantic genres. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that I liked Artemis and Percival's characters. I liked their relationship. Ready Player One, the book, has been adapted into a movie that's coming out soon. And uh, to kind of celebrate, I guess, or to kind <laughs> of um, to kind of go along with the whole gamer genre Mm -hmm. that Ready Player One is definitely a part of, we kind of wanted to talk about games and gaming in media. Yes. And we've both talked about, I think we've mentioned on the show how we like video games a lot. We'll probably talk about some video games at some point. Mm -hmm. And we've also talked about Critical Role, which is a show where people play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. So we really love games and interactive media. And we wanted to talk about why watching narratives facilitated by interactive media is so interesting. Yeah, because when you're playing a video game and you're helping the story progress, that's something we want to talk about maybe on a future episode. But, yeah. um, you know, that's that's fun because you're helping shape a narrative. Right, whether it's literally or in your head or whatever. Yeah. However, there is actually quite a bit of media about games, gaming, and watching other people play games. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we kind of wanted to just get to the bottom of why we think that that might be interesting for people to watch as well. Yes. And we're the only ones who can. Yeah. (laughs) Stupid. So let's just get into it. Okay. So 
One of the first things I ever watched that had gamers in it was Felicia Day's The Guild. Yes. And I really loved that show from the beginning. I was a gamer myself. And I think part of the appeal of it was that it was just about other nerdy people like me. And it was funny. Mm-hmm. And I, while I have never really been into any MMOs, like World of Warcraft or anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think I can still like appreciate <laughs> some of the awkwardness and yeah. some of the problems that come along with being obsessed with a game like that. And, right. you know, just, just being like the type of person who might be drawn to a game like that. Mm-hmm. So if you're unfamiliar with the guild, it's a web series mm-hmm. about this girl named Sid who is unemployed and she just lives in her apartment playing this video game all day and... One day she decides that her guildmates, who are, you know, the people that she plays this game with online, they all need to, like, meet up Mm -hmm. and actually, like, interact with actual people. But one of her guild members uh, is, like, obsessed with her and he just shows up at her house. He found out who she was in real life and shows up at her house and he wants her. (laughs) Yeah, looking back on it... (laughs) Hmm. It, it sounds like a horror movie. I kind of forgot about that, yeah. that that was the beginning of the premise of the guild. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Fun. And, you know, the whole show is just kind of about, you know. Nerdy misfits. Nerdy misfits. And, and also, I think, you know, finding a middle ground between enjoying video games and. Living your life. Living a real life. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of a problem that most of the characters have is that their lives are these video games. Yeah. You know, all for, they're all like different, completely different people from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. But they are all kind of living their lives through this video game. Yeah. So something that has a very similar theme is actually the Ready Player One novel. The movie still hasn't come out. I haven't seen it yet. But the book, at least, I think the ultimate message of the book is that video games are great, but, like, you can't escape your real life. Like, you have to still live your real life. You still have to engage with the real world. Because if you don't and you neglect it, then it goes to shit. Ready Player One, if you don't know, <laughs> I mean, the marketing for the movie is, has been a little, like, muddled, I think. Mm. So I think some people who haven't read the book or don't know anything about it are a little bit confused. Yeah. It's basically World of Warcraft meets Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Billionaire game designer who created this virtual reality video game. He dies and he leaves his fortune to whoever can solve a series of puzzles that he dropped within this massive virtual world he created Mm -hmm. and the main character wade watts aka percival his gaming name he is the first person to find one of the clues right you know in in this world of the book it's kind of a dystopia it's like the near future the economy is tanked uh homelessness and unemployment are at all-time highs and people are just escaping into this this video game Mm -hmm. and at the end of the book my interpretation of the message is that, you know, it's great that there's this wonderful fantasy world, but real life is still there and you can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting how I feel like that is a, th- a common theme of a lot of media that involves video games, mm-hmm. which is obviously very true. And I think it's an important message because there are people who, you know, fall into that trap of 
experiencing too much of their life through a video game. Mm-hmm. But also, that's not all video game culture is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, there's a part of me that's like, you know, why is it, why is that message so prevalent? And even though it's an important one, is it kind of sending another maybe inadvertent message that gamers none of them have lives mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean it's 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 tough i don't know how i feel about it i mean it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely important to to talk about the the difference between video games in real life and how you know like like people who played world of warcraft i mean that was a real thing that happened where people were really addicted mm-hmm. um and second life too i mean people live their lives through second life and uh, like they made a documentary about it mm-hmm. well have you ever seen war games I haven't. Okay, so <laughs> it's like 30 years old. I'm going to spoil it. Sorry, okay. people. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it's about this kid who is like, he's a hacker, but it's the 80s, so computers are magic. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I guess this applies to our, to our topic because he accidentally hacks into some like government database and starts basically what's going to be a nuclear winter if he can't stop it in time because he accidentally like sets off a timer to launch a nuclear bomb or something. Jesus. I I think I'm remembering that correctly. At any rate, he saves the day at the end by confusing the computer by playing tic-tac-toe on it. So what? Because, yeah, (laughs) it's kind of a ridiculous premise. Interestingly enough, that movie is a big part of Ready Player One. Yeah. But I just think it's kind of interesting how uh, before gaming culture really became a thing, <laughs> they made this movie where gaming triumphs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that is interesting. Take that. Yeah. And like, you know, I mean, there there are video games all throughout the movie where um, the main character, he it, it starts off with him in an arcade, like a traditional 80s style arcade mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, kicking ass and everything. So sweet. Yeah, well, there I, you go. I mean, in that sense, I guess it's it's almost celebrating, but at the same time, he almost started a nuclear winter. Yeah. So you know, I guess it's kind of a balance there. <laughs> hey Ray, do you remember the Spy Kids franchise? Yes. <laughs> do Spy you? Kids Three. Yeah, I have it. On um, DVD. excuse me, Spy Kids Three D. Do you yeah. really have it on DVD? I do. <laughs> oh my god, with the three D glasses and everything. Oh my god, party at your house. Yeah, I feel like I need to be real drunk to watch that movie again. I'm down. <laughs> I kind of wanted to watch it again before this because I, I I misremembered it. I thought it was Wonka-esque. I thought it was very similar to Ready Player One in that there was this virtual reality game and there was like a prize at the end. But mm-hmm. but I, it was like more um, yeah, he's just sinister trying to and, s- and convoluted than that. He's just trying to <laughs> save his sister, I think, right? Like, uh, No, yeah, he is. But there was like, it, it is a game that you're trying to beat. Yeah. And there's, boy, uh, reading that Wikipedia summary just now was a wild ride <laughs> <laughs> of things that I did not remember when I watched that movie for the first time when I was like maybe 10 and yeah. I cried. <laughs> true story about me is that I uh, genuinely got emotional over a Spy Kids movie. (laughs) You know, that does sound like you. Thanks, Ray. Thanks. I mean, you know, if I can't be vulnerable on our podcast, where can I? (laughs) Yeah, this this Wikipedia summary is unintelligible. It includes the sentence, the group surfs their way through the lava. (laughs) 
I remember. Me too. But reading that sentence was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> this movie was a trip. It definitely, yeah. <laughs> it definitely capitalized on the, like, idea of virtual reality. Yeah. I mean, I think that one is a bit of an outlier as far as some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. um, in that I think the main draw of it was that they were like, oh, how can we make a 3D movie? Yeah. Video that's, game. That's what I was going to say. Like, it, it was definitely focusing on the 3D aspect of it. Yeah. Um, so that one's much more like, mm-hmm. this is new technology. Look at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that I watched that movie like 20 times as a child. I didn't because I rented it from a video store. Kids, a video store is a place where... <laughs> I love that we're just old enough to make that joke. Yeah. <laughs> I probably would have... I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I watched it multiple times whilst I had it in my possession. Why was it so um, appealing to us young youngsters? Well, I will say, I saw it in theaters. Did you really? Oh, yeah. It was his birthday party. Oh, my God. Well, that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, I saw it in theaters, and I will say that it, the 3D was actually really impressive in theaters. At the time. At the time. Yeah. But, you know, also I was a kid. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So I think when it came out on video and I was like, oh my god, you know, yeah. I was a little underwhelmed after having seen it in theaters. But I also saw this movie back before I was into games, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like really into games. Yeah. I'd always played, I was already a gamer. Yeah. <laughs> I'd always played Zelda and like Frogger and like little kid games. Yeah. I wouldn't have considered myself like a gamer yet. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting is that Spy Kids 3D kind of came out before gamer culture was like really a thing. That's true, yeah. You know, I think WoW was just starting up at that point. So I think it's really interesting how there's an obvious change from the way video games are portrayed in that movie mm-hmm. to how they're portrayed now. So yeah, like totally. So you're saying that Spy Kids 3D was ahead <laughs> of its time. No, not at all. <laughs> I think it was definitely a product of its time. But like, for those of you who don't know what Spy Kids is or was, it was a movie about two kids whose parents were spies. And then their <laughs> and then their parents got kidnapped by like evil Russian I don't know, like, uh, whatever. I, whatever. They whatever. got they got kidnapped they by spies. evil people. Whatever. And then um, the kids had to then become spies to save their parents. And there were sure, several. Sure, because that, that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the whole idea of the movie was just pure, like, fantasy. You know, like, the sure. kids got this, these really cool, like, this <laughs> cool technology it's to, a like. movie. Yeah, they, they could, like, you know, push a button and make fancy dinners. And they had fancy submarines and whatever. Uh, Spy Kids 3D kind of piggybacks off of the wish fulfillment aspect of all the fancy technology and, you know, like the action-y kid movie mm-hmm. stuff. And there's still kind of this thing going on where the Spy Kids are all really cool. Mm-hmm. Whereas when gaming culture starts up and, you know, you start seeing media arising from gaming culture, like Ready Player One and the Guild, the protagonists, you know, aren't cool mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. They're, they're geeks. Yeah. And I think, as I was saying with the Guild, the relatability as- aspect of it is definitely a part of why I like 
uh, media about gamers. Absolutely. To be fair, Spy Kids 3D was not saying, look at these spy kids. They're gamers. No, of course I, I, not. It wasn't, <laughs> I don't think they were gamers. It was, uh, they were playing yeah. out of necessity. It was like getting the, getting the quarterback to join the glee club. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. But that is definitely, looking back, the first instance of a video game that I had seen. Mm. In a movie. Because I didn't see war games until I was in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, transition into talking about another property that is about a MMO. MMORPG. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is an anime called Sword Art Online that is kind of like Ready Player One. <laughs> it is. Yeah. If you haven't seen Sword Art Online or read it, I'm sure it's a manga, it's about a boy isn't it always? Mm-hmm. Thank it's, you, the guild. Thank you, Felicia well, Day. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, oh, anime. Um, <laughs> I, I was informed by my anime consultant for this episode that um, people getting stuck in video games is like a whole genre of anime, I guess. I forgot all of the names of the animes that were listed for me. But I have watched Sword Art Online, so that is the one that we are going to talk about. Because yes. you have also seen the first season. So this guy, it's kind of a harem anime, which is like, fuck off. Is it? A little bit. Not as like overtly as other ones. Well, let's explain what a harem anime is. Okay, that's a good, actually, that's a good point. (laughs) Uh, Harem is a a trope in anime where the male protagonist is surrounded by a bunch of women who all have the hots for him, basically, is what that trope is. And, um, you know, some sometimes it's more overt than others. Sometimes it's, like, really gross. Sword Art Online isn't too bad because it's not like the guy, like, acts on any of it. Yeah, if it makes you feel any better, I cannot stand most harem anime. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I didn't even remember that it was a harem anime. And I still have a fond opinion of Sword Art Online. Yeah, it's a good, it's a, it's a good, sweet little show. But all of the female characters have the hots for the male protagonist. Another trope that Sword Art Online falls into is that the the male protagonist is like the most uninteresting character in the whole series. (laughs) Yeah, he's like the plucky young, like, you know, boy next door. But he's real good at this video game. (laughs) He is. I will say he actually doesn't annoy the fuck out of me yeah he's um, not as bad as he could be yeah like like wade from ready player one there is so much potential for him to become a piece of shit yeah and it doesn't happen like i i for the most part think i liked his character i just he wasn't like super he didn't stand out that much you yeah know? yeah yeah for sure he's definitely like the the he's kind of uh like he he thinks he's a lone wolf yeah like in the beginning of the show yeah that's true yeah so anyway, the, the Sword Art Online is about this guy uh, going through this MMORPG. It's on like, the- it's a really big deal. It's like a virtual reality game. Yeah. And it kind of puts you into like, like a sleep state, sort of, when you're in it. Mm-hmm. So like, you see, like your brain is active, but your body is like totally still. Yeah. And on the launch day, when everybody like was like, first got into the game and like at orientation or whatever the fuck it was uh they announced that everybody was trapped inside the game now (laughs) yeah and like if you die in game you You die die for real yeah which is a common yeah (laughs) if you die in the game you die for real don't you get it if you die in the game you die for real (laughs) 
But I, I believe the only way at, that everybody can be released is if somebody, like, makes it to, like, level 50 or something. Yeah. You basically um, have to beat the game yeah. to, to release everyone. And the interesting thing about Sword Art Online is that, like, it could go on. Like, the anime actually, the passage of time is weird because mm-hmm. so much time is supposed to have gone by to the point where people are no longer, like, some people are trying to beat the game, but mm-hmm. other people are just, like, living their fucking lives Yeah, they've kind in of, a video game. They've kind of given up trying to beat it and yeah, trying to, it's, like, it's play like, the game. Well, here we are at level 14. I guess I'll get a job and buy a house and just yeah. live, get on with my life. Literally, yeah. yeah. It, which is, like, a really interesting concept because what are they fucking supposed to do? You know what I mean? Yeah, and um, for context, when, like, their real bodies had to be brought to hospitals and put on life, life support, support yeah. because they can't take off their VR helmets and... Yeah, if, if they take off their VR helmets, they die. But yeah, like, if someone else tries to take off their VR helmet, it kills them. Like, it, their brains get electrocuted or whatever. So the only option was for their families to bring them to the hospital and put them on life support. Yeah. While in-game, they just continue living a virtual life, you yeah. know? And some of them start to develop like a normal life and get married and like yeah yeah <laughs> but it's it's really interesting to me because i don't fault them for it you know what i mean like there's yeah. like i don't know it's it's really interesting mm-hmm. but the the show obviously follows this protagonist who um he wouldn't be the protagonist if he just settled down and he with this other group of of f- friends uh fights his way to the top i don't remember what happens but um it's good and it's interesting it is it reminded me of ready player one a lot Mm -hmm. um as jen mentioned they are pretty similar and i think that both of them have similar messages where it's like virtual reality is great but real life is is better you know that that kind of message but i think it also i think both of them also kind of paint gaming in a positive light too Mm -hmm. um while they touch upon the dangers the, the main characters in both are rewarded for being good gamers. Yeah. You know, like, that is, they save the day. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of something that's interesting. And um, while it is kind of frustrating to see that, that messaging of don't get addicted to video games. Yeah. I, I do think that there, there is still this, this idea that, like, being good at gaming is something to be celebrated, almost, you know? Yeah, it's a skill. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little wish fulfillmenty in that <laughs> I'm a hardcore gamer now. <laughs> um but I I I really like the idea of us it, we'll never get there, at least not in our lifetimes. But I really like the idea of, of technology getting to the point where like we can have a video game like that. Obviously mm-hmm. I don't want to get trapped inside of it. Oh yeah. Uh but it that is like really cool and interesting to me. Yeah, I completely agree. The world building yeah. in both Ready Player One and Sword Art Online was honestly were some of the biggest draws. Yeah, for sure. For both. I don't know that there were too many twists and turns in either. Mm. So it's not like it was like that interesting or unique of a narrative. So yeah. maybe maybe a big part of it is the wish fulfillment like you know because I, I totally agree with you that would be so badass yeah right to, like be totally immersed but i also think that 
it really does open the door to a lot of world building. Not just the world building of the video game world, but mm-hmm. the world building of how the world of, of the story is. You know, yeah. like, um, as you were saying, how some people settle down and have lives. Like, how do you do that within the context of a virtual reality game with, you know, limits to what yeah. you can do? And, um, you know, that, that was something that was super interesting to me, too. They... Sword Art Online does a really good job of sprinkling in little details like that, mm-hmm. you know, of like, um, like you don't find out that everyone is in the hospital until like halfway through the series. Yeah, they do a lot of interesting thing with things with like information. And there are times when you forget that they're in virtual reality. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, it's really interesting. It is. Yeah, there's something really compelling about and obviously this part of it isn't wish fulfillment, but, like, Sword Art Online does the trope of if you die in the game, you die in real life. If you die in the game, you die for real. Mm-hmm. Really well. It does, yeah. Like, there, you do feel the stakes in Sword Art Online, and it's not, like, some empty horror movie or whatever. And I, I don't know. I, I, I think they, they do that trope really well. Yeah, I will definitely say that... Um, while Ready Player One does a great job of sucking you in, mm-hmm. there were quite a few moments in the book where I was like, but, like, does this really matter? <laughs> you know, like... And that's saying something for you. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say that Ready Player One is perfect. It's it's definitely a flawed <laughs> book. Yeah. But it's so enjoyable. Whereas in Sword Art Online... Which is also flawed, but yes, you know, um, the stakes are high. Like, yeah. they're gonna die. Yeah. Like, you totally understand why some people would be like, "I'm not gonna try anymore." Like, fuck that. Yeah, well, not only that, like, I wouldn't be good enough at the game. Yeah, <laughs> I would be no help. So yeah. I'm just gonna stay down here in level two. And yeah, hang out for however long it takes. Literally until someone beats the game, or everyone just like dies because that's that's the deal like they're gonna waste away at some point so um something kind of similar kind of in in the vein of like these stories about virtual reality and people like existing within the world is Mm -hmm. um another web series called legend of neil that i discovered (laughs) in high school and uh, after the guild it's a (laughs) it's a it's a web series it's very funny about this deadbeat guy who plays <laughs> the original Legend of Zelda, <laughs> and he um, and he gets drunk and he decides <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> Rachel can't even get through the summary of the fucking show. Well, because the way he ends up in the game is so ridiculous. The last thing that Neil remembers, he was. <laughs> The, the intro, the, like, intro song yeah. <laughs> to the series is how, is how he got into the, got transported into the game. He yeah. decided the, the little 8-bit fairy in the game was kind of <laughs> Yeah, he was playing the original Legend of Zelda. The 8-bit. <laughs> oh my god, Rachel is literally dying. It's so, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So he, um, he thinks she's hot, so he, he's drunk and he decides to um masturbate masturbate to her and he asphyxiates himself with the with his game controller and he somehow ends up in the game because of that you are so tickled by that it's just so funny (laughs) 
It's stupid. It's it's really dumb, but it is really funny. Um, but the, that's the whole series. Old man. Old man. It's the it's the whole series. It's yeah. it's like dumb and funny, but it's very like slapstick. And, like, it is. It's very slapstick. It's very stupid, but it's also like referential humor. Yeah, it's exactly. A lot of, like a lot of the humor from the series comes from the way that this video game world translates right. <laughs> to like a real life person. Yeah entering it and having to play as the playable character. So, like, in the original Legend of Zelda, Link has, like, hearts up in the top corner. But in Legend of Neil, there are just these little, like, tattoos on his arm. Mm -hmm. And, like, if, if, like, someone slaps him across the face, he'll look down and his hearts will have been reduced. Like, one of his hearts will have, like, half a heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, it's, it's just funny. It's, like, it's just interesting. For me, the thing that was the funniest about... This series was just seeing how they dealt with different aspects of the game. Mm -hmm. You know, like when he has to move from from one frame to another, he has to like push the screen aside, <laughs> yeah. like push the camera aside to the next screen, like the way the the original Legend of Zelda game works. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's just very funny. So. As Jen said, I think the humor in that is all just because it's referential. You know, if you haven't played Legend of Zelda, the original, you won't understand a lot of it. And you just won't get it. You just won't. You're just not going to be like in the know. <laughs> so speaking of web-based content, I like to watch people play video games online. Like there's a huge community. Like there's Twitch. There's a bunch of people on YouTube. I don't watch a lot of people there's a YouTube channel called Polygon that is uh, linked with a gaming website. I watch a lot of their stuff. It's always interesting to me to watch people play video games. Like, Polygon does weirder stuff. Like, like they don't usually do playthroughs of, of stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they they do weirder stuff. Like, right now they have a they have a show where two of their producers sit in, in, in one giant sweater so one of one of their hands is on one side of the controller and the other the other person's <laughs> hand is on the other side of the controller and the the premise of the of the show is that they stole a bunch of gold from a uh game wizard and that game wizard turned them into a game ogre <laughs> so they're a two-headed person and they have to they have to overcome challenging game trials uh and they have to beat levels in video games with one hand each on the same controller okay and so like it's this really weird fucking Polygon has the weirdest shit. They have the weirdest fucking content, but it's the best. But I also really like watching people play through games. Like one of my favorite games of all time is The Last of Us. And the very first time I experienced The Last of Us, I watched someone play it. Yeah. Um which is like I don't think that took away from my enjoyment of the game. I have the game. I love the game. But I didn't have a PS4 when it came out, so I watched one of my favorite YouTubers play it. Yeah. When we were talking about doing this episode, it was really interesting when I brought this up and you were like, well, that still counts because, you know, playing the game and interacting with it is different from when you're watching something, like, you're passively consuming the narrative instead of, you know, playing it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I was talking about how I think part of me likes it because I always remember when I was a kid and I would, um watch my brother play video games mm -hmm. <laughs> which was like sometimes it sucked 
<laughs> because, you know, when you're like the younger sibling, you know. <laughs> yeah, you might get kicked out if you make too much noise. Right. That also, happened to me. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Also, if you're the girl and therefore uh, nobody buys you video game stuff. So um, your your brother owns all of it, even though you really want to play. And then he's playing a single player game and you can't play. And um, you're just really sad. And sometimes you go into your room and cry. But, uh, <laughs> but other times it was really fun. Other times he would, um, even if he was playing a single player game, other times he would he would help make me an active participant and he would um, ask me to look something up or something or like, and it was, it, was, it was fun. It was like we were playing together even though we weren't. And I think that's part of my enjoyment of like watching like Twitch streamers or people play through games on, on YouTube is like, you're not an active participant necessarily, mm-hmm. but it does feel like you're hanging out with somebody playing a game. Oh, for sure. So um, as opposed to watching something like The Guild, which is about people playing a video game, or Ready Player One, which for the most part takes place inside a video game, mm-hmm. and just seeing how like the story is influenced by the video game, it's it's still... You know, when you're watching someone play the game, you're just watching the narrative of the game. But this whole trend of, like, the Let's Plays and, like, Twitch Mm. and streaming people playing video games, more often than not, you're not just seeing the video game. You're also seeing the the person's person's reaction in their face and everything. Absolutely. So in a way, it's kind of the same thing as when you're watching Sword Art Online and you're seeing, like, how the characters react to, like, the video game, you know? Yeah. In a way. That makes sense. But also, um, I've recently been watching some Markiplier, who mm-hmm. is a video game streamer. He's a big one on YouTube. He does a lot of horror games, and that's what I like to watch from his channel. Um, I recently watched him play Outlast. <laughs> Have you heard of that? Uh, yes. But um, I don't like to play horror games alone. Nick won't play horror games with me. So, you know, if I want to experience a game, like a horror game, I can watch Markiplier play it, which yeah. is fun not only because I get to just like sit back and watch the narrative of the video game and sometimes some video games have really good stories oh yeah lots of interesting twists and turns like the enjoyment of video games isn't always just because you're actively like pushing buttons and making things happen oh for sure yeah especially for a game like Outlast where your only two options are to like walk and turn on your camera, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you can't do anything else in this game. Yeah. So games like that, I think it's actually really interesting to watch someone else play. Absolutely. But also, when you get to watch the other person's reaction, that's also kind of a show. It's kind of like reality TV. It's like those ghost hunting shows where you watch people get scared, you know, or yeah. whatever. At least for Markiplier, um, when I'm watching him play a horror game. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's almost nice having someone to, like, scream with when something scary happens because like i scream when scary things happen in scary movies and scary video games you do (laughs) so yeah i mean i totally i totally get where you're coming from uh yeah i don't like watching playthroughs of of like if there's a game i want to watch there also has to be a person i want to watch like i don't want to watch just someone play the game silently or whatever Mm -hmm. i don't watch a lot of horror games all the time. I like watching people get choked up at video games. <laughs> like getting emotional? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes sometimes I, I, you know, video games can be super emotional. Like I mentioned The Last of Us. It's a very emotional game. Mm-hmm. That's a very emotional game. And I 
I love the the person I watched play The Last of Us is uh his his handle is Day Nine. His name is Sean Plot. He's great. I watched him play The Last of Us, and I like I feel this like bond, <laughs> this parasocial bond, <laughs> because I watched him play The Last of Us, and we. From my perspective, we experienced that game together. Mm-hmm. We didn't. But yeah. <laughs> but my experience was that we experienced the game together. Um, and it was a very emotional. It was a little bit scary and a very emotional game. And, you know, I got emotional. He got emotional. We got emotional together. And I, I, I kind of like stuff like that. And I, I think you can really, like, fall in love with characters. So I, I really enjoy watching people playing the game, like, fall in love with characters and... I don't know. I think it's also interesting if it's a game that you haven't played. Yeah. To consider, like, what's, was this scripted or was this just a coincidence? Like, um, there were a lot of instances of this in Outlast, which is what I keep referring to because it's what I watched most recently. If, like, a plot point happens, like, you get to a a plot point in the game and then you turn around and suddenly a guard is there. Like, Mm -hmm. was that scripted that the guard was supposed to be right there? Or was that just a coincidence in its coding where it was, like, going along its coded track and it just happened to be right there? Yeah. I like to debate a lot of that. Like, how would this change if I were playing it? Like, what's what's scripted, what's not, you know? Right. And and especially if you're watching someone play a game that is Mm decision-based and they're making decisions and, like, your decisions would be totally different. That's really interesting, too. So changing gears a little bit. So probably one of the most mainstream instances of a video game in mainstream media is probably the Disney movie Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph. And I think that it's interesting to see how different the themes and story were. You know, it is a mainstream thing and it's pretty different from the other things we've talked about, I think. Wreck-It Ralph is more about, like, being like a has-been, you know? That's completely contrary to, (laughs) you know, what most instances of gaming happens to be. Though at the same time, one thing that I think we haven't really talked about yet, but that has been a common theme is the idea of being a hero. (laughs) You know, like being kind of an underdog and rising up as the hero, even if it's through gaming or whatever. Yeah. Which I guess kind of happens in Wreck-It Ralph. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's not really about gaming culture. No, it's not. If you haven't seen it, (laughs) Wreck-It Ralph is a movie about a Ralph who is the antagonist in an arcade video game. And so it's not about like people playing games, Mm -hmm. but it's about the characters within the games and like this world where they can interact with each other through like power strips and stuff. It's pretty cute. Well, let me add this bit of context first. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a novel called Mog World. It's by Yahtzee Croshaw, who, um, as far as I understand it, I don't watch him, but as far as I understand it, he was like he's like a gamer YouTuber type who um, like reviews games and stuff. Mm-hmm. As far as I understand it, I do not watch him, as I said. <laughs> but he wrote a novel called Mog World, and it's about the NPCs in an MMO RPG, mm-hmm. and they don't know that they're in a video game. But they're just like, why is all this weird stuff happening? Like, you know. (laughs) Poor things. Yeah. So (laughs) it's interesting to me how a book that has a similar premise about the characters within a video game and Mm -hmm. them interacting with their world and everything. It's interesting to me how the themes and the general motifs within the narrative are different because Mm -hmm. Mog World has more of a 
underdog becoming the hero type of thing. Whereas Wreck-It Ralph really seems to be more about like, you know, the whole has-been theme of Ralph. Maybe not even has-been. It's just that he is like, he wants to be someone other than who he is, I guess. Yeah. You know, like he's the villain in the game and he's he's tired of that, right? Mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting how they used the vehicle of like video games to kind of tell this particular story as opposed to like other media forms that, you know, use video games not so much as a framing. The video game aspect of the story didn't seem as much of like a part of the plot. This is a type of story that I don't think was about gaming culture is all I'm trying to get Yes, I agree. Similar to how like Black Mirror isn't about why technology is bad. It just uses technology as a... As a means to reveal the hidden depths of humanity. Exactly. (laughs) I want to mention the Black Mirror episode USS Callister, which is amazing. And um, similar to a couple of the things we've mentioned, MMORPG and being inside a game and all that. And I want to mention a horror movie. Oh my god, I forgot about that! (laughs) Do you know what I'm going to say? Yeah, I love that movie. It's terrible. (laughs) Stay Alive? Yeah. Yeah, it's from um, 2006. I have not seen it since I saw it for the first time in the theaters, starring a one Frankie Muniz. (laughs) Oh man, I would love to watch this movie again. It was so bad. (laughs) This is one of those, you die in the game, you die in real life. Yeah. For real. Oh, man. It has a whopping 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Before I do my quick mentions, I just want to um, say that Jen and I did not forget about the Tron series. It's just that neither of us have seen it and therefore have no nothing to say about it. Yeah. So on to my honorable mentions. There was a movie in 2009 called Gamer starring Gerard Butler. Oh, right. And it was about um, death row inmates who get turned into, like, live action video game characters that are controlled by gamers. And... Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot Um, wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I guess it's kind of an interesting concept, but it's not, like celebrating gaming culture the way some of the other things that we've talked about are it's kind of indicting it in a way it sounds like you know like kind of i haven't seen it in a while but i remember it being more about like oh this is so violent and you know yeah i bet they were trying to do like a commentary on violence in video games or something yeah and i just remember there being a character who was this like 400 pound dude who sat in his chair you know like like that trope oh great fun anyway um (laughs) also Jumanji, yeah, you know, which is a movie that was relevant to most of our childhoods, uh, also recently remade, and it's about a video game. And I actually really do want to see it. I've heard good things about it, and I think it would be interesting to have seen it to be able to talk about it for this episode. But alas, but Jumanji is interesting because it kind of almost has like the message that like games are bad or dangerous or something. You know, mm. I, I mean, I guess you could take it that way. I, I think you know, obviously, more it's. I think it's about, you know, demons from your past or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, if we're talking about it from, like, a gaming context, and obviously this movie came out long before gaming culture or even, like, tabletop gaming was something that people talked about openly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, in a a modern context, I think that that would be more interesting to explore down the road. Speaking of Jumanji, just real quick, Jumanji knockoff Zathura. (laughs) What? You haven't heard of Zathura? 
I don't know. It Hang sounds on. sort of familiar, Let me look actually. it up. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. Zathura. Yeah. Why does that sound familiar? Because it was a movie after Jumanji when we were kids. Was it like a sequel? No. No. Uh, it's Zathura, A Space Adventure. This is a 2005 movie. Whoa. That starring uh, Kristen Stewart. Uh, <laughs> Can I see like the poster for it? Yeah, like- yeah, yeah. And it's basically Jumanji, but with a space-themed game. Oh my god, is that Josh Hutchinson? Yeah, it is. He was one of the kids that Kristen Stewart was babysitting, I think. I believe. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Isn't that crazy? Have you you never heard of that movie? Holy shit. Yeah. I'm glad I remembered to bring it up then. Yeah. (laughs) And then I really briefly just want to mention um, a couple episodes of Community. Community is one of the best shows that has ever been created, in my opinion. I think Dan Harmon is an excellent writer, and he is a master of telling a complete and satisfying story in 22 minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, there are three different episodes of Community that feature games. Um, The first is Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, which is an episode where they play Play Dungeons Dungeons & Dragons. And... That episode kind of follows, it kind of does the same thing that Ready Player One and Sword Art Online and the Guild do, where, like, kind of an underdog loser type character experiences character growth and overcomes something through a game and rises up to the status of hero who, like, saves the day through a game. So I think it's interesting how, you know, the show isn't about gaming. It's just about a bunch of misfits and the character that this happens to isn't even a main character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting that that same narrative is apparent there. And then there's Advanced Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, I believe, which is once again about like a nerdy, geeky RPG player type who mm-hmm. uh, finds a way to connect with his estranged father mm-hmm. through the game. An interesting thing about the first community episode is that it has a little bit of that trope of like the like the loser character who becomes the hero is like he's like a bigger guy and in the beginning of Nicknamed the Nicknamed Fat Me. Yeah. So but but the interesting thing about that episode of community is that I think that they break down that trope a little bit. Like yeah. they the group like gets to know this kid on like a more personal level and stop calling him fat neil and like you know so i think i think that's a really interesting aspect of that episode mm-hmm. um the third episode is called digital estate planning and <laughs> it's an episode where like they're the char- 8-bit yeah right? the, the characters play an 8-bit video game the entire episode is just their characters in the game and we like watch what happens and like like legend of neil some of the humor comes from like how this game operates and like how the characters interact with it and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is not live action. It is literally 8-bit animation. It's great. (laughs) But once again, none of these characters are gamers. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, through this video game, uh, one of the characters kind of comes to confront his father Mm -hmm. who who is dead, but his father like created this video game as a way for him to like... (laughs) get his inheritance or whatever (laughs) right (laughs) it's like his will yeah and they have to beat the game in order for this character to get his inheritance whatever it's a ridiculous show i love it so much (laughs) but um yeah so i think that's interesting that you know like the game is still relevant yeah like it's still being used as a tool yeah Wow, Rachel, a lot of uh, a lot of hardcore gamer talk. 
hope people can, uh, you know, understand who if they aren't hardcore gamers. I don't even know any other slang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us even play the games that, like, douchebags gamers. No, that, <laughs> that douchebag gamers would consider, like, the games that hardcore gamers play. No, I know. That's the, <laughs> the joke I'm making. <laughs> I know. I just want people to understand okay. that. That's true. They should probably have context. Yeah. I hate Halo. Yeah, I don't I don't like Call of Duty. Yeah, I was Halo. just about to say, I don't like Call of Duty. You yeah. play Dark Souls. I played Dark Souls, but I literally never killed anything because <laughs> because that is how Dark Souls is. You yeah, cannot yeah, yeah. you can't do shit in that game unless you are like a master. An elite gamer. An elite gamer. It's like a stupidly hard game. Like why is it this difficult? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh we hope you um enjoyed us talking about media about video games yeah (laughs) we really like to talk about abstract things don't we yeah we do we knew this was gonna be a problem go again yeah i also like how at our valentine's day episode we were like oh this this format was fun but let's not do it again for a while (laughs) (laughs) and but but now we're not gonna do an episode for a while yeah which is sad that's okay when we come back we'll be stronger than ever yeah we're gonna come back with a bang Talk about Arlie Smith's The Last Hour of Gone. Yeah. We have a couple things planned that that we're really excited for. And I hope that you'll miss us. Yeah. I we're mean, gone. and if you're just like, wow, I really need more Optiat, go ahead and listen to our backlog. We've yeah, got a totally. ton of episodes. And if you need more Optiat, because like, who doesn't? You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Optiot. That's O-P-T-I-O-T. And we're also on Instagram at Optiot Pod. And we'll be posting on both of those while we are on hiatus. You can also find us on our website, When Person's Trash is Our Treasure. Dot com. Dot com. Oh. <laughs> See you in a few months. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See you on May 21st. May 21st. <laughs>chunks at the bottom yeah yeah <laughs> sorry i should have warned you <laughs> matcha okay. tea if anyone knows a trick for um avoiding the chunkiness at the bottom of matcha tea let me know because i have yet to find a solution tweet at us at optiat that's <laughs> o-p-t-i-o-t on twitter felicia days is that her name <laughs> yes oh my god <laughs> cash in on that good good seo <laughs> why don't they re-release that in theaters god no <laughs> Because no one would watch it. Would you go with me? Of course. Okay. (laughs) Except I'd be really angry that I had to pay $15 to watch this movie. (laughs) It's a delicious hot cookie. You deserve it. After committing murder. This is a map. Map show you where to go. (laughs) And on a map, things are smaller. Maybe for you, for me it still is, I would love to be transported into into Hyrule. I shouldn't leave that in, huh? No. (laughs)